0: Welcome to Conversations with Orbita, a podcast dedicated to helping healthcare and life science organizations reimagine the patient journey with conversational AI. This is where automation meets empathy.
1: Great to see you today. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year, Christy. Great to be able to interact on this particular subject.
1: You know, it's really interesting um, being January of 2021 and having technically survived 2020 now. I think everybody's kind of looking at, wow, what just happened and what's going to happen, right? And so one of the things in a time of great uncertainty that we always talk about within our team here has been you know, some of the best things is to go back to what you know, and, and what you've seen. And so it might be interesting a little bit to kind of take us back and and be a little reflective about 2020 when when looking at some of these projections for, for what's in the future. And so Bill, I'm curious, I mean, you've been a visionary for a long time, you co-founded a telemedicine uh, and remote patient monitoring startup as a CTO back in, what, the mid-90s, so 25 years ago, probably a lot more wires back then. And so from where you sit now, being the CEO and co-founder of a conversational technology company like Orbita, you know, looking at 2020, what were the major shifts that you saw happen in the last in the last year?
0: So if you look at healthcare healthcare in some ways uh, adopts technology at a slower pace than others so although chatbots uh, have been available and concept of conversational ai has been available it you ultimately need to have more proof points in healthcare for adoption to start to take off and, and happen and one of the things that happened because of covid was it shining the light on the value of conversational ai and how Conversational AI can support organizations in a way to create efficiencies, as, as well as create better engagement experiences to patients, which, you know, unfortunately, because their healthcare systems have been overwhelmed with COVID, they don't have much other choices. And so Conversational AI provides that alternative choice.
1: Yeah, you know, what has really um, been uh, interesting to me is looking at also the folks that have been most disproportionately affected by the pandemic, both with COVID specifically, but also with the broader burden of disease and access challenge around around getting access to healthcare services. And when you think about that, and you think about how do we meet patients where they are um, in a way that's natural to them? Um, What are we seeing in that arena around this technology?
0: Well, I I think that, that engagement is always been a factor in healthcare. And so we've tried to solve engagement by providing things like mobile applications. But think of a patient that needs to learn a mobile app. Every screen is a learning experience on what they need to do. What conversational AI does is that you're engaging them with natural language, something that we all grew up and know how to interact with, whether that is across a telephone or whether that's across a chatbot where they can ask natural language questions and get answers back to them. And that's one of the beauties. And you know, a bot is is tireless. It's you can ask it a billion questions and it really doesn't care. But a person or a healthcare professional, there's just not enough of them to be able to be able to to actively call at the time that you have a question.
1: Absolutely. You know what's so interesting too is you think about the ability to deploy a bot across. A, an analog phone or a landline. I know we've seen this with some of our customers in the renal dialysis space where their patients are older. Um, a lot of them are you know have less digital access or, or even interest. And so um, being able to have that bi-directional voice interaction to get anxious you know kidney patients to come in and get them comfortable with coming in for a, a life a uh, necessary life-saving <laughs> procedure like dialysis has been pretty impressive.
0: Correct. And, you know, unfortunately, trying to reach out and notify and engage patients during COVID has been a challenge for organizations because, first of all, they need to screen them before they come in. And so you now have to have large numbers of people in a call center to call and screen. In, in the case of dialysis, for instance, they have to do it. But if they have symptoms of COVID, how, what, how do you educate them and know how to talk to them to tell them what's the right next set of steps to do and to coordinate that appointment? And, and, and so instead of having 13, 15 people calling, again, you can notify them first through SMS six hours later through email, and the next day on a voice call. So three ways of engaging and ultimately getting very high conversion rates uh, to be able to interact with them.
1: That's so exciting. I think um, for a lot of reasons, and not in the least the fact that that's probably a population that's been left behind by a lot of the other technological and digital health advances within the healthcare industry. Um, You know, in your opinion, Bill, What has been the most significant application or development in the past year in terms of conversational AI in healthcare?
0: So we're seeing, you know, of course, everyone has looked at things like natural language processors that come from Google and uh, Amazon Alexa and Microsoft technologies, um, which we sit on top of and we take advantage of those NLPs. But uh, AI has become an expanding way of solving problems. And so when you think about AI, an intent uh, to using an intent in all of those natural language processes is one way of understanding the meaning of what people are saying, except for when you're in the pharma space and you're trying to understand in that utterance that somebody say an adverse event. And if that if happens, and that's, that's not something that you can put into an intent to, to actually have that trigger from an ad, You need to have machine learning to look, literally look at millions of utterances to understand what do I need to do with that? You know, in a similar way, we're creating AI to understand when somebody's coming to a health system and they they ask a question like, I think I'm feeling like I have a fever. And knowing that that utterance is something that we should say, hey, how would you like to go and do a symptom check and walk them through that, where you're not going to be able to solve that just with intense and natural language processors.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you're really highlighting the difference between kind of the, the initial version or the 1.0 of a chatbot per se and the true prowess of conversational artificial intelligence technology.
0: That's correct. It's correct. It's it's ultimately making it more intelligent, so that your, I um, you mean, the experience of have someone typing in something like that and it going to the, the experiences. I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Is very frustrating for a patient, and adoption goes up when the intelligence of what they're interacting with goes up, and we're seeing in 2020 quite a bit of. Uh, I, you know excitement on that sort of uh, adoption so you know similar type of case imagine you're having a bot and you're the bots of a, a, a home bot and the users interacting and says I think I'm having tightness in my chest now we don't want the bot to start saying, well, let's do a symptom check. That's a red flag. And, and again, with AI, we can analyze every single utterance. We can analyze utterances to know that they said PHI within the information that they're saying, like a credit card number, or they've uh, it put us their social security number in the system and pull that out. And this is where AI would say, I need to transfer you to a real human to have you talk because you said you have tightness in your chest.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, A year or two ago, we were looking at a lot of symptom checking chatbots and they were you know, just initial symptom checking. And in some instances, in many instances, they were, they were a solution looking for a problem. And now we're seeing the true advent of, of symptom checking to be able to direct you to the right service, to be able to um, you know, put you within the right context and then also educate the patient um, within, within what they should be doing or thinking about.
0: In, in, in we're, and we're developing, we obviously are delivering technology that does the full symptom checking. But a lot of our organizations actually don't want us to do full symptom checking. They want us to be able to analyze the utterance when we say, what's your chief complaint? And from that utterance, there may be 20 different services that we want to send them to. And from that, they're going to help to schedule the appointment with the appropriate person. And again, this is where AI can play a, a much bigger role. Uh, they have a, a much more realistic way of creating an intelligent experience.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the challenges, and I can say this from a past life being working at a large health system, a $3, 4000000000 billion health system, was that, you know, if you try to digitize scheduling, for example, in any specialty or subspecialty unit, it starts getting complex pretty quickly because you need actual inputs and information from the patient in order to to do that appropriately. So an example would be, it's one thing to schedule, you know, a routine checkup with your primary care physician or a sick visit um, or a well-child visit, but it's a whole nother layer of complexity when you're looking at how do I automate scheduling within an orthopedic department or a spine center where you might have a clinician who is so subspecialized that they only do hips or they only do knees. And so you need that additional input from the patient to even get them to the right scheduler for a specific condition or specialty. So the AI implications of, of that are really interesting. And I think what also has been pretty cool is the ability for conversational technology to... Not necessarily even require deep integration out of the box to provide value because the patients are willing and excited to offer up information about themselves in order to get a more personalized experience. What are, what's, what has been the evolution? Do you think there um, from that more personalized context in the last year?
0: Well, you know, I had a personal experience of um, of going to see it um, my regular physical. And in that res- regular physical they wanted me to see a uh, another uh, doctor and um so they sent a a message to me saying you can schedule your appointment by calling this particular phone number and it happened to be f- late friday afternoon so i called and said their business hours are closed and monday's a holiday and so now i i have to exactly to start doing this thing on tuesday which is which is fine but you can imagine the fallout rate of, of people that try to schedule an appointment where why can't that experience be 24 by 7 and ultimately be in the context of every having the context of everything that you know about them and even when you made when i made the appointment on that tuesday you are sitting waiting because you say well w- what hours are available and they're trying to look in the scheduling system where with a bot it can do things in real time so you're not it's it's just a better experience frankly uh, and so we're going to see more of this more tighter integration with scheduling um, and being able to do 25 four by seven service
1: absolutely you know it's interesting I think we're also seeing what, a year ago where you would say, oh, millennials have higher consumer expectations. Now, I think it's pretty fair to say most folks have higher consumer expectations because of the constraints around access that COVID has provided.
0: Correct. Um, I do think that you, you, another, I have elderly parents, my, my wife has elderly parents, and it's, it truly is a challenge for trying to help Support them in their how to, how to support what what their what medications they've been taking. That whole that whole process in the future needs to improve, and I think there needs to be tools in you know, where where the, you know chatbots are engaging. You're able to ask questions. You're able to understand things. Um, you can co do it with your, you know, elderly parent simultaneously as as well. So I think we'll see uh, some of that occurring over the over the twenty twenty one.
1: That's really resonant for me right now for many reasons. One is that we just moved uh, my ninety year old grandfather into an assisted living home over the holiday, so he's he's doing okay, but had a couple hospitalizations, and so it's brought. To me, the the concept of remote patient monitoring and how that's evolved over time. So, early remote patient monitoring, as you know, and with your with your nineteen ninety mid nineteen nineties telemedicine and, and remote patient monitoring uh, company, you know the early days. It was getting patients to input data that ultimately a clinician would review. And then we saw clinician pushback saying, "I how am I going to review all of this? Am I getting reimbursed for it? It's just this. It's just a ton of information." And then patients also, okay, I'm just a data horse. I'm in in essence, you know, inputting information, but I don't get anything out of it. And so now with the advent of conversational AI, where we're actually able to provide value to the patient, offload um, administrative burden from the clinician and let them focus on, you know, cases and instances that need their attention the most. What are your, are you seeing much in that space? So, you know, do you have personal experiences there?
0: Yeah, the personal experience with my uh, father-in-law who has high blood pressure, um, you know, his, one of his challenges is that he has to record it to talk to his doctor. And he records it on a piece of paper. And so, and then, you know, I, more recently I said to them, so what are some of the readings that you're seeing? And he told me them and they were actually uh, really high. And I said, do, you, just, do you, you know what this means? And he, he, he doesn't. Um, so one, the ability that he's just doing this on paper is a problem. You know, is there a, is a, can, can there be, one, a connected device or a voice device like an Alexa device where he's entering the data? And two, he doesn't know what the data means. And so having the ability for a conversation to happen for the person to understand what it means and maybe some things that they should be thinking about, maybe lower salts, more drinking, more water, all, all of the the basic things that they, they can do themselves for some self-care, um, but at the same time being educated. So when they do meet with their doctor, there is not a surprise of what's happening.
1: Absolutely. You know, we, we talk a lot about the more aging use cases, but you even see that, for example, with pregnancy, right? We take, I remember one of my pregnancies having um, some really, really low blood pressure and then offset by some really high blood pressure and not understanding the context of what that means in the moment. Is this something I should worry about? Is this something I should get on the phone and wait 20, 30 minutes for a nurse or someone to call me back about? And so to be able to provide that real time value and context, I think is pretty, pretty exciting.
0: What's great about healthcare is that the content exists, so it's it's just how do we deliver this health content to the person at the right time in the right context, and that is one enormous advantage that conversational AI can do in the marketplace.
1: It's so exciting. Uh, thinking about you know some of these changes that we've seen in the industry over the last year. You know, we're seeing healthcare organizations that have digital strategies and, you know, have really employed these types of technologies. And we're also seeing those that have not for a number of reasons. What are you seeing uh, within that landscape and and what are some of the differences there?
0: Well, I think uh, when we look at health systems, we're seeing that they are, they need to transform. They need to transform in how to engage because, users that are interacting with them are picking so health systems basically on do they provide services that make it easier for them and so we've seen a number of different companies that have evolved and come up that are alternative and so as we as as that shift continues everyone's going to have to up their game and so the concepts of building you know, bots right on your website that's engaging, getting people to the right service, answering that question, lowering the friction. Um, you, If you look at a lot of different websites and you think of the number of clicks that you would need to do in order to schedule an appointment, and at the end of it, it comes, you can call this telephone number. Um, so we'll see you that, how that works. That, uh, That'll change uh, in uh, 2021, or continues to change in 2021.
1: Absolutely. You know, out of the gates, you mentioned um, the advent of mobile apps and just how that, you know, how that changed the landscape a little bit. And then how voice is just continuing to reduce that friction. As we think about some of these broader adoption challenges and just just, uh, I guess, that that initial cliff that folks have for starting to use some of these technologies. Uh, one of the areas that's interesting to me from recently moving my 90-year-old grandfather into an assisted living uh, facility was there were constraints around getting all of the technology and even some of his devices set up and configured and, you know, being far away and trying to walk him and also my folks, my parents, through that process remotely. You know, what are you seeing around that space? We talk about adoption of provisioning and just even sheer Wi-Fi and, and broadband access.
0: Well, this is an exciting year uh, because in 2021, 5G is being rolled out across the nation. And so mostly most people think of 5G as really high speed bandwidth. But Actually, it also supports very low speed bandwidth. And, and the big advantage of that is just pure cost. So it becomes almost free to send little data. And when you think about taking a blood pressure or your even we you think of just voice, it's 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 not high bandwidth data at, at all, which means that manufacturers are going to integrate into the devices 5G which means there's no setup in the facility or in that assistant living facility uh, when they're, when they're taking this technology and trying to have it deployed. Um, It's, I would say that is the hardest thing in remote patient monitoring is just that setup. I have this stuff and I have to figure out somebody's Wi-Fi in order to connect the devices uh, to it. And I think, we're going to see a lot more 5G in devices now. What that means is that devices can become more smarter. So, you know, you think of a kidney dialysis machine. You're eventually going to see it's going to talk to you. And so, when you need to change a filter, it's going to be you're going to say, "I need." It's going to tell you you need to change the filter. Do you need instructions? And it's going to talk to you and tell you step by step. Because IoT is integrated, it knows when the door is open. So it knows where you are in the process.
1: Oh, it's just so exciting. I think, you know, one of the, the most uh, difficult and, and to be candid, sad uh, things that I've witnessed having a career always in emerging tech within healthcare has been looking at all the lost opportunities we've had just because that burden of, of technology know how has been significant in the past. And so when you talk about being able to provision your own device because you don't need to do anything, right? We're starting to see this this blend of what we have with consumer devices. I had a a Wi-Fi extender that I installed in our place here, um, and it more or less set itself up. I mean, it walked me through... Um, and gave me a nice little green checkbox that made me feel really confident <laughs> by the end that it was gonna do its job. You know, when you think about some of these uh, techs, technologies around conversational AI, like biomarkers, for example, that maybe a year or two ago seemed a little far off. Has there been an evolution with there tech has. like biomarkers? Mm-hmm.
0: There has, I mean, there's a organization um, that um, we were doing some work with, with that was doing work with COVID that they could actually detect from voice at a high percentage whether or not you have COVID. What, now, what's interesting about that is that that technology keeps on improving, and so the, f- the fact that they can do that also imagine somebody with COPD is that person from engaging day to day is that are they getting. COPD is getting worse just from the biomarkers that are in their voice. We're we're also seeing that there's essentially biomarkers in the way that you speak. So, in you see with some of the technology, there's already built-in sediment analysis on the text that's coming back, but not very far off when we're working with natural language processors. We're going to understand the sentiment by the the tone and biomarkers that are in the voice like is the person frustrated because you can you can say something multiple different ways the text is is different but the way that you say it actually indicates that there's there's either frustration or you're being sarcastic or so on
1: so what you're saying is that almost a year into covid if uh, two married partners say to each other, "How are you?" And one says, "I'm fine." That we're going to be found out a little bit better now by <laughs> this technology. <That's> right. <laughs> that might have a, an interesting upside and some potential downside as well. But um, you know, it's it, it's it's uh, it's heartwarming the ability. I think for this to augment. A, a traditional care between a between two people right an educated clinician and a seasoned clinician and also uh technology that can help make that care delivery more streamlined when when you think about uh how how will a conversational ai within healthcare continue to adapt and continue to evolve looking ahead to the rest of 2021 2022 and beyond i mean the 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 pace of change is extraordinary. So, what do you think we're going to see moving forward from here?
0: Well, last year you've seen things like WaveNet that made the conversation uh, much more human sounding uh, so that people would have a hard time even knowing that it's a bot. Not that you want to hide the fact that you're a bot, but nobody likes listening to a robot type speech. And the fact that we can do that across telephones, of course, things like Alexa has already uh, has that kind of capability, but um, that's that's continuing to be Im- important. Uh, I, I, once you have real sentiment analysis against the voice, you, you're gonna be able to act on those, that meta information to decide, well, where am I gonna lead this conversation? Because it's, it's should I uh, elevate it to a, a live person? I think you're seeing in 2021. There's going to be much more tighter integration of having bots go work hand in hand with live people. So the bot will do 95% of the work, but then at, at points it makes sense to actually bring it to a, a real human, whether it's a chat bot or whether it's you're you're transferring the call. Um, you know. What I mean? An, an example that we were doing with a organization, where we were doing a screening through voice, and we at the to know whether or not that patient should come into the facility. And at the end of the screening, uh, based on the uh, assessment, in uh, the call center would get these are the patients that uh, need to uh, actually. Be called back and someone needs to 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 do a deeper screening. And you think about the next level of what we would do now is that rather than hang up with that patient saying, okay, we we think that you need to talk with a person and just transfer it to the call center with all of the information of the transcript so the call center knows ex- exactly why. The screening failed, and can ask a few more questions to the to the user, because when the call center has to call, eighty percent of the time they get an answer machine, which is not bad for a bot because we can call back, but for a human, it's you know it just it burns through time.
1: Absolutely. I, um, <laughs> I'm um, i just laughing, remembering myself trying to, at a busy airport, and this is clearly before 2020, but in a busy airport where they're constantly announcing flight departures, I uh, actually on the phone with the airline trying to make changes to something. And I kept getting interrupted by the loudspeaker. And, you know, the agent on the phone would, would try to parse through that noise. And it was almost a baked in failure, if you will, being a passenger, about to board a plane and not able to engage with the company because you know they were, the company was also making announcements in real time.
0: But that, that concept of interruption is a game changer, and that is something that is more new. Um, so I, you'll see it much more in 2021. But the concept of you might, let's say you call the health system and we have a, a bot that's able to answer questions around COVID, and you you ask the question, how does COVID affect a pregnant woman? And you get an answer back from that um, response. But right in the middle of the response, you might ask another question. But when you know, typically where where bots used to work, which where you have to listen to the whole answer, and then you can talk to it. Now you can actually just talk to it naturally like you and I talk. And interrupt each other. We do that always. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we can interrupt the bot and, and get start the response of that next thing that we just said. And that's exciting because it becomes much more natural in the way that you're engaging it, like you would engage a person.
1: So actually, that's interesting, because the bot would probably allow my constant interruption better than than most humans. That's a personal uh, weak spot of mine is it is a tendency to interrupt people. Um, and, and to not have something uh, get frustrated with me is it would be pretty impressive. <laughs> but, um, you know, when we think about uh, even the evolution of natural language with folks with different accents, for example, so I know between you and me, we have family members that are um, that speak English as a second language that are native, uh, Swedish speakers, native Korean speakers, native Nigerian polyglots, um, native, uh, Spanish, you know, Argentine Spanish speakers. So are we seeing a real evolution with the ability for natural language to adapt to accents and, 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 you know, for really realistically speaking, how sophisticated is the tech and and where is it going from here?
0: So it's, it's about training data. And you know a few years ago, what made net, these NLPs so much more accurate was the volume of learning data. And as time goes on, that volume just in, continues to increase. So there's that. And the second piece of it is that the algorithms of deep learning uh, as a form of understanding what was really the, what was someone trying to say and then this and gleaning out of that and essentially an intent is improving I you know, there is challenges of and you know we're looking at how do we handle that um, that a conversation starts out in English and somebody in the middle changes language that's something we're not good at at this point we can do things like work with um, Get get information to say let's we need to notify these people uh, mm-hmm. uh, about something let's say it's COVID and we're told the language that they this person is in and we can call in that language um, you know there are some things that we can do to try to detect at the beginning their language and switch on the fly but what we're not good at is if somebody is speaking in English and they then speak in a different language where we're like we're good at one language as long as you stay in that one language
1: that's really interesting because uh having many people in the family that are bilingual my kids included um just a funny anecdote like my kids actually respond to commands in spanish much better they do in english and so even in our household you know if i want them to sit down i'm going to tell them to sit down in spanish uh, and not english and so that natural uh, and I'm, I'm pretty much a native English speaker and that's it. I, I, on a good day or with a glass of wine can speak some French here and there. But um, I think that's, it's interesting. Cause when you first mentioned that use case, the question that popped in my mind is how well, how often does that happen? And then I thought, well, it happens all the time. So it's exciting to see that we're shifting in that direction to handle it.
0: And you, and you see, we've developed technology around like entity extraction. Um, so when you, as we're just talking about COVID, and you ask a screening question, you know, do you have a a fever, or do you have um, something like a uh, any cold-like symptoms? And the question is a yes/no question, and they'll say yes. I'll have a, I have a fever of a hundred and two. You know, so they're they're responding to you like you're a human, and and as a bot, you're trying to understand. Is this yes or no so i i then know uh, how to go record this question and so in conversational ai we need to be able to adapt to uh, to getting those questions because the worst thing that you can do is that you go back to the person and say you can answer this question by saying yes or no and now they have to repeat it but but we do look for these things we can say in this question They're going to tell us about fever, they're going to tell us, um, you know, temperature or they're going to these other words other than yes, no. And we ultimately know that that's a yes uh, answer to that question.
1: Yeah, it begs the the concept of context, right? As well, contextual response. And so, if I'm engaging um, around a certain topic, whether that be COVID or maybe a chronic condition, and then I think of something and I rapidly switch context, um, or I'm talking about something in s- specific, and then in my next uh, expression, I don't necessarily directly allude to the context but we're still within that same thread is that how sophisticated are we there and have we evolved much
0: it's ex, it's expanding quite a bit and you know another example around that is that um you know building out the conversational model and in in part of that conversational model the way a doctor would describe something in a way a patient would describe something just like what's a foot doctor and, you know, if your system is looking for the real definition of a foot doctor versus the patient says, I need to see a foot doctor, then, you know, ultimately understanding all the types of synonyms of how a patient speaks is going to be, is, is what we're uh, building into our system uh, as, you know, IP that helps us to be more intelligent um, in answering questions.
1: That's really interesting. It's, it's interesting too, because if you think about, you know, if, if someone presents with a symptom who does not have any other conditions or, you know, isn't pregnant, for example, that might not be something of concern, but having a context of, you know, if I um, have congestive heart failure and, you know, I've actually gained four or five pounds within the last day or two, Yes. That's you know, yeah. that's definitely something uh, yeah, that's definitely bad and is something of note that has a very specific um intervention that needs to be taken with it. And so it's it's cool that the technology is capable of handling that. Um anything else, Bill, that you you know are seeing and would like to share with us about twenty twenty one? Are you excited about the evolution of things? Um, has COVID, you know, fundamentally changed anything in a way that's concerning? What are you what are your thoughts?
0: I think you know, what's concerning is just health systems and them them being able to adapt to these new models. Um, fortunately for someone like Orbita, these new models means more, more ways of engaging with patients and that has automation with empathy. And and so there's going to, in 2021, I'm excited that that is going to grow dramatically.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There was a good TED talk a few years back talking about how the we we want to know that our voice agent is a bot. We want to know it's automated. If it's too natural, then our expectations would be out of line. But I think the ability for that automation to be approached in an empathetic context goes so far in terms of stickiness and engagement, and the, and and at the end of the day, engagement translates to improvement in outcomes. It translates to efficiency and improved access. So for me, that's that's so exciting.
0: And and you see two other areas. Of course, what COVID did was it transformed uh, the way that um, telemedicine is being used. And so having conversational AI augment. Uh, telemedicine where before the person is talking to a doctor that you're collecting information. And in some cases you're collecting information so that you actually are routing them to the right doctor. Um, Another area that we're seeing significant is to augment remote patient monitoring solutions Uh, because remote patient monitoring solutions, it, it costs money every time there's a false positive. And if there's something to help engage a patient to understand, is this a, f- a false positive, but at the same time, being able to always constantly ask questions and educate is, is something that we'll see in 2021 as well.
1: Absolutely. That's, it's, it's super exciting, Bill. I'm so grateful for your time today. Um, it's always fun to learn from you and I, uh, we survived twenty twenty and happy New year again, looking forward to the to the next several months and and the evolution of of the industry and 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 healthy healthy new year to you and yours.
0: Thank you you too as well, Christine. Thank you very much. Enjoy the conversation.